internationally, a lot of resources, not a lot of cash in the uh, in the uh, multi-donor trust fund. You know, Dave Navarro's got the best numbers for you, and he'll be tracking that. But I spoke to Dave, and Dave and I sat down last night. I'm going to get his number wrong. I think it's $22 million in commitments against the billion-dollar multi-donor trust fund. Now, remember... Not all money has to go through the trust fund. Some of it, obviously, is going to be in, in bilateral and in kind. Some of it direct to agencies, et cetera. But there's going to have to be uh, real financing of that trust fund if we're going to be able to keep um, uh, all the necessary parts of this initiative moving forward. The uh, second gap continues to be in the area of human resources. You've heard about this before. Um, at uh, the national level, there's training uh, programs being put in place, strong training programs, particularly in Sierra Leone, Liberia, um, by both uh, uh, the UK and the US is working with us, WHO, and with UNMIR, um, and that will rapidly scale up the, that capacity. But then there's still that uh, challenge of getting internationals on the ground in these countries who have got expertise in Ebola, ideally, but as you can imagine, um, we've far outseeded that. But, you know, expertise in infectious disease, expertise in, uh, in infection prevention control in particular and in the other areas relevant uh, to the response. Some of the constraints to getting that international um, uh, capacity on the ground are being overcome. Uh, one of the uh, biggest challenges, of course, has been the availability of high-quality in-country care uh, for people, and now the U.K. hopes to open by the end of this month um, a 12- to 20-bed number fluctuates still a little bit facility that would provide, um, you know, U.K. standard care for any uh, responders, uh, at least international responders, I, I believe any responders, um, and then in, on, the, uh, on the Liberia side, U.S. is working to put a similar capacity in place. And then at the same time, the second piece is trying to get in place the medevac uh, capacity, as you've heard about. Um, and again, now the U.K., the U.S., but especially the EU uh, is really working to put in place now an integrated mechanism that will help uh, ensure um, that we always have at our disposal the capacity to medevac um, someone who may, uh, number one, uh, be infected with the disease, obviously, um, and unable to uh, to uh, receive the level of care necessary for, for, for their condition, again, among the responders. So some um, progress being made in that regard. But the third thing I think the most encouraging is that there's an increasing number of um, NGOs, uh, uh, countries, and others talking to us um, about uh, can they deploy a team to help with the case management and run one of these Ebola treatment centers in one of the uh, two or, or, or three countries. So again, um, some, some very positive things in that regard. So um, maybe last couple of comments. You know, there's a lot of, of bleak news out there about this uh, outbreak, and, and there should be. That, 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 that's appropriate. It's, um, it's, a, it's a terrible, devastating disease and, you know, unforgiving, not just in terms of the populations it ravages, but also those who are trying to respond and, and, and help as well, unfortunately. But, you know, there are a lot of um, things uh, that, that, that are positive. We talked a little bit about the trends that we're seeing the disease in some of the epicenter areas. Um, we're seeing 
the step up in the international response, the UK's response you know about, and I met with them on the ground while I was there in Sierra Leone. It's impressive. It's integrated with the government. It'll follow the government and the rest of the players as well. It's really aligned. And then in Liberia, the U.S. Uh, commitment there, which everyone's heard about, um, which starts to add up now to the kind of treatment capacity that's going to be needed. Um, we've seen some positive things uh, in Monrovia. There has been a, uh, a real concerted effort to scale up the number of burial teams. You all know about the challenge that that was. And, I mean, it was not just a horrible thing in terms of being able to ensure a dignified uh, 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 burial uh, of the remains of, of people who died, but also um, it was a source of tension and anger, of course, in some settings about how this was being handled. But, um, you know, in Liberia, they've gone, if I understand the numbers right, from about six to 54 safe burial teams um, in the course of September. And in Monrovia, they uh, reported out, uh, one of the groups working on that, that they were getting um, to over 80% now safe burials in a very, very short time uh, period, as you've, you, you've heard. And again, important because a lot of what we need to know is, can we hit the kind of ambitious targets that we're setting out, and are they ambitious enough? And then the other um, uh, thing about the geographies I talked about a little bit. So, you know, there are a lot of things happening. And then you saw the bank, you know, under Jim Kim's leadership was just an exemplary um, coming out with additional, you know, financing uh, commitments as well. So last week when um, at the bank, you know, I said, look, the numbers we need to get behind are 70, 70, 60. You know, that number is 70% safe burials, 70% cases being managed and cared for properly, um, and uh, and uh, within 60 days of uh, our start date, which for UNMIR we're taking as 1st of October. So our goal is to have that in place by 60 days, which would be the 1st of December. And those numbers come from our assessment of what it's going to take to, you've heard Margaret Chan and others talk about bending the curve and trying to get that upward curve going the other direction in terms of case numbers. And so the 70-70-60 is really designed to strike that balance between how fast with an incredibly concerted international effort and commitment can we build those capacities and then how fast um, will that have an impact in terms of cases. And uh, we believe that, uh, you know, 70-70-60, that's a real stretch target. <laughs> that's really pushing the system hard to have that kind of uh, capacity in place. Um, but uh, that, is, that is the goal because if we don't do it in 60, days and we take 90 days, number one, a lot more people will die. That shouldn't. Um, and uh, number two, we will need that much more capacity on the ground eventually to be able to manage the caseload. Um, what we did as, as well, a lot of people say, well, is that feasible? Well, we went out to 60 days with some of the projections that we've been doing in terms of case numbers, et cetera. And again, it's impossible to look in a glass ball and say we're going to have this many or that many. But we, we anticipate the number of cases occurring per week by that time is going to be somewhere between five and 10,000 a week. Um, you know, it could be higher, could be lower, uh, you know, but that it, it's going to be somewhere in that ballpark. And the goal now is taking all the different pieces of the response that are planned, everything from the Ebola treatment centers uh, to the people deployments to the community engagements, and trying to make sure we've got that capacity in place by that time so that we can ensure 70% of cases uh, can be um, properly managed or isolated and 70% of, uh, of um, 
uh, the burials can be done safely by then. So that's um, where the 70-70-60 came for, from, and as you've seen from the data from Monrovia, you can probably hit that pretty quickly in terms of safe burials. But remember, that's an urban center where it's easier to get to, logistics are easier in some ways, et cetera. Getting it out to some of those rural tough areas is going to be harder. And remember as well, some of those practices that you're dealing with um, are much deeper rooted sometimes in the rural areas than in the urban areas. So there's going to be huge challenges and different kinds of challenges as you try and scale it geographically. Um, but and in terms of, uh, of, of case management, as you know, big commitments for a lot of additional capacity from uh, the U.S., the U.K., and these countries, and France in the case of Guinea with additional center in the center that they've said they would put in place. Um, but in addition, in each of the uh, two big countries, in particular Sierra Leone and Liberia now, they are looking at scaling up more rapidly um, in the, the community level what they're calling CCCs or CCUs, but community care units, which would be very, very small units, two, four beds, something like that, where if treatment centers, beds aren't available, people can actually be uh, um, managed without being at home where through, you know, either throwing up or diarrhea or whatever they would be infecting a lot of additional people. So that's, um, that, that's, we think that there's sufficient proof of principle that it can be done. We know sort of from the mathematics and the, 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 the epidemiology, the modeling, that that could change that rate of, uh, of uh, week-on-week um, uh, cases. But there's going to be some big challenges, not just in achieving, also measuring it. These are tough things to measure, you know, because I know what you guys are going to do next week is, okay, what percent are we at now? And I'm going to say, I have no clue. No, I'll say we are at more than we were last week. Or I'm going to say we're more than we were two weeks ago. But a big part of what we have to do now is try and put in place the capacity also to measure these things um, as, 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 as well. So now as we go forward here at WHO, um, as, as Christy and Tarek said, uh, they're sick of trying to answer all the phones when I won't. So uh, when I am through Geneva, I'm, I'm, I'm quite happy to sit down and, and brief or update and take questions on whatever I've seen most recently, what we know, what we don't know. Um, we are also dividing up our work a little bit. KG Fukuda is going to head all the work on the preparedness side of things, particularly in the high-risk areas and the IHR-related pieces which sit under him. So he'll be uh, able to brief on that. Um, in fact, it would be good for him to do that soon because he was just in Brazzaville working that out with right across OCHA and all the other partners. Um, and then Mary Paul Kenny, who some of you know from here, is another ADG who will head up our experimental uh, therapies and vaccines work. So really, depending on the issue and what's more topical, one of the three of us will try and, um, you know, brief every week. Um, if it's a waste of your time, tell us because it's really hard for me to find that much time in my life right now. But, uh, again, um, we're hoping to find a more efficient way way to help keep you all up to speed.